another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, and I'm joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Paul, uh, good to talk to you again. And it's uh, it's cold and it's rainy outside. Uh, is, it, is that a reflection of what the, the Indians, uh, the mood is right now as we get closer to the, the, the point where they're having to decide whether they have to be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline? You know, I, I'm not sure if it's a reflection of, of what they're going through right now. I, I, I could see more like a, a cat on a hot tin roof. You know, <laughs> they're kind of jumping from uh, foot to foot trying to decide, uh, you know, how, how much if we do sell, how, how much do we sell? And if uh, I, I don't see them, Joe, I don't see them adding to this ball club unless it's through, you know, through making a trade and bringing, bringing people back. I don't think they're going to add to the payroll. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, they're kind of stuck in that no man's land where you, the lad, there's the last place you want to be. And I don't know how much stock they put in uh, contending for the wild card. I just know that's a, uh, that's a long shot proposition. And it is a uh, one where the odds are stacked against you, even if you do get in. Well, you're taking into account uh, all the injuries and, and, and absences that they've had from the, uh, the starting rotation from, you know, starting with Mike Clevenger uh, to, to Corey Kluber now to Carlos Carrasco. And, and, you know, we'll get a little more into uh, Cookie's situation here in, in a bit, but, you know, just with the, the injury, uh, the injuries and the absences from that starting rotation, which was supposed to be what carried you throughout this season. And then you add in Trevor Bauer, just having, uh, you know, this, this mysterious, uh, we, we have no idea why he's, he's performing the way he is, Trevor Bauer's season. Uh, it, it makes it hard to, to say, yeah, we, we, we think we can still hang around in, the, in contention for the wild card. Because right now, Minnesota is definitely not getting caught. This is, they're going to run away with the division, and, and there's nothing anybody can do with it. And Minnesota is going to add pieces in, in, in the bullpen, maybe a starting pitcher. Who knows? Yeah, I think uh, Minnesota is you know, kind of – <laughs> disappearing over the horizon right now. Uh, you know, I, th- I guess they could get, still go into a monumental slump, but, you know, I, it doesn't look like it. It really doesn't. I mean, the Indians took two out of three from them at the start of this homestand or the just completed homestand, and it didn't make a dent. You know, they, they, they just kept going, and they didn't slow down. So, uh, well, you know, so I think, you know, their best – course of action right now is probably the you know trying to maintain and, and staying in contention for one of the wild card spots but uh, I, I wonder if you can do that and and still move a couple key pieces and uh, to keep your you know to kind of rebuild and and you know to rebuild and, and compete at the same time which you know they were trying to do at the start of this season really right uh, as far as the wild card standings go uh, you've got Tampa Bay uh, in in the number one wild card spot, five games up on uh, um, Texas right now. Texas is two games ahead of the Indians. The Indians, of course, go to Texas after Detroit uh, this upcoming uh, th- this next week. So uh, four games in Texas might might sort of decide whether or not the Indians can can uh, compete for that that second wild card spot. But they're tied, the Indians are, with Boston and Oakland two games back at Texas. So really, I, I, you would think that Boston, Oakland, you know, maybe the Angels, uh, who are three and a half out, uh, those would be the teams that you, you're really going to have to deal with because I don't see Texas necessarily hanging around all that long in, in wildcard contention. Their offense is, 
is pretty good, but uh, they really don't have the pitching to hang with with any of these wild card contenders. Yeah, they've been a pleasant surprise. They're a, kind of a surprise. They played, you know, kind of better than people thought they they would. Uh, as you said, they they've always got a good offense. It's, it's nice. It's a good place to hit in Arlington, and uh, the weather's hot. The infields are infield is always hard, and uh, you know the ball flies. So it's it's a good place to hit. And uh, yeah, I you know I just. Uh, you know, I think the Indians, you know, I've, I've liked the way they played lately. I like the way they played on this homestand. I thought they, uh, they took more of a game-to-game approach, you know, the, the, the approach that Frank Kona talks about. And I think it helped them. I think it worked. Now, can they sustain that? I mean, you know, Plesic got knocked around against the Reds a little bit. Uh, and I think that's to, to be expected. A rookie pitcher, you know, after three, four decent starts, he's going to have a tough one every now and then. Uh, you know, and as you said, Bauer has, you know, I thought Bauer pitched really well against Cincinnati. Thought he, you know, thought he deserved to win. Uh, they did win the game, but, you know, I thought, you know, may, that was an encouraging sign to me. And we'll see, you know. I mean, and now, as you said, Clevenger's coming back. Uh, so, you know, they'll, they'll tr- start – Try to get that rotation back together and uh, and go from there. But you know the wild card. It just it's it's to me it's like wading into a swamp. And the deeper you get into the swamp, you know the more it creeps up to you. And before you know it, you're 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 just fighting to keep your nose above above the algae. And um, you know the critters are coming after you, the crocodiles and the alligators and. Uh, and then, you know everything is coming at you. It's it's a tough it's a tough way to play. It's a tough way to uh, watch the standings because like right now there's four or five teams. You know, six teams, and it changes from day to day. And I, I don't think you can really look at it until September. And the fact that we're talking about it now in early June is an indication of you know how the Indian season is gone. Right now, there are seven teams in the American League within three and a half games of uh, of a wild card spot. So, uh, yeah, or, well, if you not count Tampa Bay and, and Texas uh, already in position, so yeah, it, it makes it harder. Uh, and just to touch on what you said about Tito uh, in his post game remarks, uh, you know, really after the last couple of games, uh, he's talked about the way that the the team has played the last you know week, really during this this past homestand. Uh, you know, and about just taking the one game at a time sort of thing. And, and he says, you know, they're, they're still competing. And, and he says he likes that. So uh, as long as they're still competing and it looks like they haven't, you know, he, the, the clubhouse hasn't quit on anybody, I, I think uh, it, would, it wouldn't make sense to start selling off now if, if there's still a little fight in them. Because once you start selling, that's going to – it, it the elephant in the room is Brad Hand. Brad Hand is the all star right now. He's you know the the closest thing the closest the Indians have to a sure thing is handing the ball to Brad Hand at any point in the game and getting out of an inning. Uh, you know one two three. So this is a, a guy who's got a huge value because of his team friendly contract and his controllability beyond this year. He could command a high-level prospect, or even a major league-ready bat right now. And that's something the Indians desperately need. But if you sell off Brad Hand, you're telling the team, that's it, we're done. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I, I don't know. You know, I, I kind of, 
I go back and forth. Who has more value, Bowers or or I mean uh, Trevor Bauer or 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 Brad Hand? And if I'm a, another team, I guess it depends what you need. If you're a contender, mm-hmm. what do you need? And you know, are you are you looking for like? Uh, a, do you need a like an Andrew Miller trade like the Indians made in 2016 and bring hand in and uh, can turn your bullpen around uh, and pitch him really basically at any spot? I think he's done that before he did that right. last year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not tied to that closer's role. What, what did he have last year? He had like 30 saves and 10 holds, and he was the first person or first pitcher to do that in, in, in a long time. Uh, right. Versatility, yes, go on. And then, and then you got Bauer – you know, who's going to give you innings. He's going to give you strikeouts. He's, he's uh, going to keep you in, he's going to pitch deep into games. Uh, I mean, his one loss record isn't great, but I, does anybody care about one loss, you know, one loss records anymore, especially if you're a contender in need of a starter. So I think, you know, those are the two guys that, that, you know, obviously are, are kind of the focus right now. And, uh, and so we'll see, you know, I, I to me, you know, I think you've got some starting depth. Um, you know, you've got young guys, Plesak. Um, you've got Rodriguez, come, you know, hopefully coming off the DL here soon. Clevenger's back. You've got Bieber. Uh, you know, and I think you could maybe afford to, to move a, uh, you know, Bauer. But, and I like hand, like you were saying. I like hand because I, I, I'm, <laughs> I lean toward closers. I like closers. Mm-hmm. You've, got, you've got the guy. You know, one of the best guys in the league. You've got him on a club-friendly contract. So, you know, that I'm torn kind of that way. Well, bold prediction time. I think uh, Brad Hand, shortly after the All-Star game, just like last year, uh, Brad Hand was traded after the All-Star game for from San Diego. I think Brad Hand gets traded uh, again after the All-Star game this year. And bold prediction, I think uh, one way or another, Trevor Bauer is going to pitch in the postseason this year whether it's as an Indian starter or whether it's uh, as a member of a contending team, uh, I think Trevor Bauer, you know, gets his wish and starts a game in, uh, in the postseason this year. Uh, You could be, yeah, definitely. You could very well be right. uh, You touched on Mike Clevenger uh, just really quickly. Clevenger is due to start the opening game of the series in Texas on Monday. Terry Francona made that official uh, yesterday uh, before the Cincinnati game. Uh, Clevenger pitched five scoreless innings uh, for Akron on Tuesday, struck out five, didn't allow a run, I think only gave up three hits, uh, much better than his, his initial outing uh, uh, in rehab uh, with Columbus uh, five days earlier where he gave up, uh, I think, five runs, something like that, on 58 pitches. Uh, but you know, the good news was he was topping out around, uh, I think he hit 98, 99 on the radar gun and uh, was is, is looking and sounding like he's ready to go. Yeah, you know, and I think he's been ready to go since like a week <laughs> after he got hurt, hasn't he? He's, he? he's been like, everything is like 100 miles an hour with him. I mean, it's crazy. But, you know, I, yeah, like you said, he, he pitched well in Akron. I just hope uh, – I mean, calmer heads will prevail that they don't right. let this guy, you know, you know, he'll be on a pitch count. He'll be under, you know, I, I don't think they're going to, you know, max him out, you know, no. anytime soon. And, uh, you know, but they really need, it. he could be a big boost for them in the rotation. And, uh, you know, then, you know, maybe, uh, you know, we still don't know, you know, with Kluber, 
he was supposed to get the exam today. I, you know, Kluber's, you know, and, and Carrasco, I don't think you can even, you know, they're not even in the conversation of, of what, when and, and if and when they'll, they'll be able to pitch again this year. Right. Uh, but, uh, but at least Clevenger's back, Bauer's back. Uh, you know, you got Bieber. So you got, you know, three-fifths, you know, the big five back. So that's, that's a good sign. And, and we didn't really uh, cover on the podcast too much the, uh, the Carlos Carrasco uh, situation. Uh, the, the clubhouse really does seem to be wearing this news, uh, you know, of, of Cookie's, uh, you know, un, undisclosed health issue, uh, some sort of blood disorder. Um, he, he's, he's being treated or he's deciding on his treatment options uh, as, as of last update. We really haven't heard too much other than that. But we just we do know that the guys who have been around him for the last eight, nine, ten years are are concerned for him, and and it's genuine, and it really shows how much he's beloved in that clubhouse and around this team. Yeah, I think so. He was supposed to get a checkup uh, Monday. Uh, I think uh, the Indian, you know, the Indians aren't, you know, you know, out, out of respect to Carlos and his family, they're they're not, you know, they they really can't say much about it. I think right. if there if there is an announcement on on just what uh, Carlos is going through, if he, what kind of illness he's suffering from, what the uh, you know prognosis is. It's going to have to come from Carlos, and um, and I think maybe you know I, I got the impression that maybe somewhere down the road he he would talk to uh, the media and 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 let people know. But you know right now I think like you said they're they're trying to find you know treatment programs and just seeing what what they're facing, what they're dealing with. Right. So, like you said, uh, Kluber and Carrasco, anything you, you could maybe expect to get out of either of them the rest of this, this year, uh, I think would be just like an, an added bonus. Nothing – you can't really expect that either of them are going to come back and, and, and pitch or be effective. Right. Kluber was supposed to get the exam today, right, the MRI. Right. And his right. That was – And, they, uh, you know, see how that bone is healing. And we should have, you know, some more – information uh, uh, Friday when they open that series in Detroit. Right. Francona said you can't go scanning. Uh, you can't go for a scan every week if you're, if you're Kluber. That's not good. You know, you know yeah. we mess around with all those magnets and stuff. Uh, hey, uh, you have questions? We have some uh, reader-submitted questions. Let's uh, jump into those. Yeah, this is uh, from Patrick uh, Kenny from Tonawanda, New York. Oh, okay. Um, when, uh, when can we expect to see Bobby Bradley? Uh, called up to the big leagues by the Indians. I think he hit a home run again uh, yesterday. I think he might have, what, 16, 17 home runs, something yeah, ridiculous like that. Rolling, yeah. Uh, but, and uh, just following on Twitter, uh, a, a friend, uh, Chris McNeil, uh, down in uh, in Columbus, he said, that's it. I'm putting him in the car and driving him up to Cleveland myself. So <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, would be, it would be hard to fathom that the Indians aren't aware of what Bobby Bradley is, is doing and how he's producing and, and don't have a plan for how he might fit and help. But, again, he's a, a left-handed hitting first baseman. And they have a switch hitting first baseman and a left-handed hitting first baseman. And uh, if Bobby Bradley could play the outfield, maybe. I, I don't know. What, what yeah. uh, you know, you know where, Joe, where does he fit? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, once they decide if, you know, what side of the fence they're going to come down on, you know, are they going to sell? Are they going to sell big? Are they going to sell and try to contend or maybe even add somebody? Uh, 
I think then we'll, we'll get a really a clearer picture on how they use Bobby Bradley. If they if they decide to sell, I think I think we there's a chance we'd see uh, Bradley here sooner than later. But I think we will see him at one point. You know, mm-hmm. sometime this season we're going to see him. Yeah, I mean, if you could move, if if you're going to sell, if you're going to you know eat salary or anything like that, if you could move Leonis Martin, uh, who's who's really not giving you much lately in the outfield and, and make Mercado your, your full-time center fielder, leave, leave Bowers in left and let him go. And then, you know, work with Bradley and, and Santana at first. I mean, that would seem to make sense to me, but I, I don't often make sense. So, <laughs> but one, one way or the other, I, we're going to see him. I don't know. I don't think we're going to have to wait until September to no. until we see Bobby Bradley. Um, this is from, uh, Larry Plumley in uh, Parksburg, West Virginia. Uh, how has Ty Van Berkleo helped uh, Jose Ramirez? Rick Manning says he's standing too close to the plate. Carlos Baerga says he's not hitting to all fields. I have seen no effort to cure these obvious flaws. <laughs> I don't know, Joe. What <laughs> you know? I'm sure <laughs> you know. Ty Van Berkeley is working every day with, with, with Ramirez, trying to get things straightened out. It just, and, and eventually, you know, he can't go to the plate with him. Right. When, when Ramirez goes to the plate, he's by himself. He has got to, he's the guy that has to figure it out. You know, I just, I, I, I don't think, you know, to say a hitting coach doesn't know what Carlos Baerga and Rick Manning, no, and no disrespect to those guys. The guy that's working with these guys, this guy every day is watching video of a, every day, watching every swing he takes. You know, I, I think, I think Van Berkeley has a pretty, a better insight into what's going on with Ramirez. And right now, but the end result has to be Ramirez. He has to figure this out. Right, and you know, I can't see anything mechanically different than a year ago at this time when he was one of the hottest hitters in baseball. So I, I think it's, <coughs> it's got to be something that's more between the ears on Ramirez, you know, whether there's a situation in his personal life or away from the field that, that could be causing him to lose focus or, or and not be as effective. Uh, I, I can't see anything physically or mechanically different between this year and last year. And, you know, whatever, whatever happens in that regard, I, at some point there, there has to be a, a, a reckoning with, with Francona where he, he comes along and says, yeah. look, you're, you're, you're hurting us more than you're helping us, and we can't wait around for you to, to figure things out. Yeah, I was told, you know, there was no way they – this was a month ago, you know, mm-hmm. three, four weeks ago. There's no way they're sending him down. <laughs> you know, there's no way – He's gonna he's gonna be a big part of the solution here. He's gonna help us win games here. And they said they hadn't even considered sending him down. But you know, like three or four years ago, when they sent him down, him and uh, Chisenhall down, you know, we th- I thought we're never gonna see either one of those guys again. And they both made it back. And 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 Ramirez came back with a fury. So maybe that's what they have to do, Joe. I I, I don't know. I I think it's come to that point where. Get, send him down, let him collect himself, let him get his head together, 
and and hopefully get back up here. But well, I, you know, but even the, even the threat of of sending him down might actually jumpstart him, right? Yeah, I I don't know at this point. I mean, he he looks lost at the plate to me. He he swings it. He's swinging at pitches. You know, at his ankles. He's swinging at pitches in his eyes. Nobody's throwing him fastballs anymore. Uh, and I don't even you know he's pop he pops everything up. Uh, and when he sees a fastball, it doesn't matter where it is. In, you know, it could be you know two inches, three inches off the strike zone. He's swinging at it, and right. you know, I I just. He just, you know, I think, men, yeah, like you were saying, I think, you know, it gets, after a while, it's got to get to you between the ears. And I think that's that's a problem. And, you know, people, you know, I, I just think, you know, when, when Carlos Baerga ran into all those problems and they traded him to the Mets, you know, I remember Charlie, Charlie Nagy, not Charlie Nagy, Charlie Manuel, the hitting coach, said it, it came down to, having the knowledge to break down your swing, to know your swing and, and be able to, to break it down piece by piece and, and correct it. And, you know, I don't know if, if Jose can do that. I, maybe, maybe that's the case, you know, where, you know, you're, you're, you're a natural hitter, you swing the bat and, and when something goes wrong, you know, there, you don't have something to fall back on. And maybe that's what he's got to learn. That's what he's, he's got to be able to, you know, decipher his swing. All right, what else we got? Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, this is from uh, Jerry Jerry Buddy or J- yeah Jerry Buddy from Gahana, Ohio. Okay, why is Tito playing Bowers over Luplo? Well, I, I think uh, he he made a commitment to to play Bowers and and, and pretty much told him early early on that that he was going to be regularly out there and, and didn't he he met with him uh recently and sort of gave him a a, a shot of confidence yeah and just kind of hang with him yeah hang in there yeah. speech you know they, they made the deal with for bowers i mean mm-hmm. bowers has gotten more bats more i think he might be the you know the the, the leader in on the club with in at bats or pretty darn close to it and uh he's gotten every chance in the world uh if they do eventually make a move i mean he cannot say he didn't get a shot here I mean, they have to send him down, but you know, he's 23. I think people tend to forget that he, you know, he's, he's younger than you think he is. He's learning on the job. He's learning in the big leagues, which is a tough thing to do. Uh, He's bouncing back and forth between left field and, 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 and first base. Um, But, you know, eventually, you know, (laughs) I think everybody runs out of patience, but, you know, I think they like this guy's versatility and, uh, you know, and right now Luplo has, has done well as, as, you know, against lefties. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his splits aren't great against right-handers when he faces a righter, but that, that's, you know, the, the age-old question. Is that because, you know, he's not fa- – you know, he hasn't faced enough righties or is, is you know, or is, you know, is he being protected? Like, they know he can't hit righties. So, you know, I, I don't know how, you, how a guy can get – breaks out of that you know you you've got to get a chance and eventually i think luplo's going to get that chance all right okay and then we got one more here uh does the coverage of the incident in the dominican republic uh with uh, david ortiz will that influence hall of fame voters perspective on him this is from uh steve uh 
shoot. This is from Steve in Rocky River. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think so. I mean, this is – David Ortiz is retired. I mean, obviously everyone knows what happened. He got shot. He was in a, a nightclub, a bar. He got shot in the back. He was life flighted to uh, Boston. He, he was targeted, though. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't just like a random shooting. It was targeted. Yeah. He was... yeah. The guy came up, got off a motorcycle, walked right up to him, and shot him in the back. So, mm -hmm. and um, so, but you know, Ortiz is retired. He's not playing anymore. I don't think this influences how you would vote for him. I mean, I, I guess you got to hear the backstory if there is one. You know, who right. knows? You know what? If it was this. Was this a case of mistaken identity? What, was this guy, like you said, was Ortiz targeted? Um, but I, I would think, you know, if you're just looking at David Ortiz as a player, the question, you know, he, he did uh, test – you know, there are reports that he did test positive in that initial, you know, uh, uh, test of, uh, that was supposed to be confidential. For, for know, PEDs. 2005, 2003, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be confidential that, that, that he was one of the guys that tested positive. And that set up the whole reason for the testing program in the first place. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think that would play more of a part than, than anything that happened after he retired. But, of course, you know, you, you've got a five-year waiting period until uh, a player becomes eligible for the Hall of Fame. And... Um, you know, I think uh, maybe maybe this would influence some voters. Uh, the backstory, if there is one, you know. Well, I, I mean, and then you've seen the outpouring of of sympathy and support and all that, and how much he means to the, the folks in Boston. I think it might actually have the have the opposite effect. I think it might enhance his his if he becomes a sympathetic character. I think you you overlook the uh, the PED testing and all that, and and put him in maybe first ballot uh, if if people are concerned about his health and all that. I, I just look at the way not just Boston but the whole baseball world and particularly the Dominican players Pedro Martinez on on Major League Baseball Network and there's this huge outpouring of emotion about Ortiz uh, granted you know from from the the outset it, it, there really wasn't a lot of uh, thought that that we were going to lose uh, you know Ortiz but uh, you know just the the concern for him was was genuine and I think it might actually enhance his his you know Hall of Fame voting uh, potential. Yeah, I think you're right, and uh, you know certainly what he did on the field can't be disputed. I mean, right. great player, great hitter. God, you hated Three to World see Series you hated to see him play the Indians. Oh, just yeah, yeah. In, in the regular, I'm sorry, in the regular season, in the postseason, he was he was mortal. Yeah, and, and the Twins are still regretting letting him go. <laughs> so. <laughs> Two two places I don't have a lot of sympathy for right now, Paul, <laughs> are Boston or Minnesota. Sorry, not not it's just not going to happen. There's the Cleveland fans speaking from from the heart. I just that was it was pretty glorious to watch Boston lose the uh, the uh, NHL uh, Stanley Cup last night. That was uh, St. Louis Blues, man. Wow, a lot of fun. Four was it? Fifty years? Forty years? Fifty years? Jeez. Uh we don't know what that feels like here in Cleveland at all, do we? Um, <laughs> Uh, I guess, uh, and, and, and the wait continues, right, as we, as we move forward with the season. Uh, you're heading off to, uh, to Detroit. What is this? This is a big week then for the Indians, right? Three in Detroit, three yeah. games that the Indians should win. Let's, let's, let's face it. Detroit is not a team that the Indians should be messing around with. Uh, I, I believe Bauer and 
uh, who's the the pitcher, the, the third pitcher of, in the rotation that they're they're facing? Uh, Bauer and Spencer Turnbull on Sunday. That should be a a, a decent matchup. Um, but other than that, the Indians should be favored to to win every other matchup and. And then you go for four in Texas, mm-hmm. and really with the way Texas is playing and where they're positioned in the wild card, that could tell you a lot about what the Indians might be doing after that. Right, and uh, and we've got Friday. I think the, some draft picks. Probably we'll we'll hear some news on uh, the draft pick. Uh, Indians uh, nineteen two thousand nineteen draft class. Uh, uh, several players are expected to be signing. Right, they've they've spent the last week out in Arizona. Um, uh, Scott Barnes will be telling us that the, they have a program that the the draft is. I think thirty of the forty draft picks were going to be out there, expected to be out there. Uh, they go through the program, and then uh, you know the ones that have agreed uh, do a signing ceremony, and and then they, they start their careers as, as professional baseball players. That's got to be exciting for them. Yeah, the second round pick, uh, Yordi's Valdez. Mm-hmm. I think the shortstop from uh, Florida has agreed to a contract, but it hasn't been. Hasn't been officially announced. And the number one pick. Uh, Daniel Espino. Yeah, I think he was close to signing as well. Mm-hmm. So those are the two big guys. We'll, we'll see if they, if they yeah. sign. If you're a high school right-handed pitcher and you're drafted in the first round, you're signing. That's, that, that's, a, that's a no-brainer. Um, I, 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 I'm curious to see if they make progress on a guy like uh, Miguel Cairo's uh, son, Christian. I think uh, the story was that that Christian had, he was, he was an LSU commit and he was on campus and he was about to go, you know, get, get situated and, you know, sign up for, for residence and all, all that stuff that, that a, an incoming college student would do. And then the Indians called and said they had drafted him and the family picked up and like literally left in the middle of the, uh, the college <laughs> tour. So I think, uh, I think they won't have a problem signing Christian Cairo. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that the, that was when the college coach wasn't too happy, right? Is that the? Oh no, no, yeah. The uh, the LSU coach was. Yeah. was uh, I saw clips of him online, and he was sort of he he was uh, uh, frustrated with the the whole draft process. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, Joe. When I, when I heard that, it was funny, you know, because years ago they the when they had the draft. They they would not they would not not announce some of the names. Each team would keep the names of the the players they drafted to themselves. So the so you know the eight so agents and the college college coaches couldn't beat them to it. So you know it, it's it's the the whole thing is like a crazy process. It's, well, it's, I mean, to me, the way that the 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 major league baseball draft first year player draft is is conducted is way better than the the NBA or the NFL drafts where it's like the the, the kids can't come out and declare whether they're going to be eligible or whatnot. It's you're eligible just by the fact of who you are or where, where you graduated or, or how old you are or whatever. And if you get picked and you sign, that's it. If you get picked and you don't sign, then you've got three years to wait. And then you can, you know, if you yeah. go to school, I, I, I really like that that aspect of it. I think it's the most, uh, uh, yeah, it's in a lot of ways, the most fair, but we'll see. It's also because it's a numbers game. I mean, you've got 40, 40 rounds of the draft, uh, in, in baseball right. and you know, seven in football. So 
All right, uh, Paul, uh, have a, a safe trip this weekend up to uh, Detroit and then on to Texas, and uh, we'll uh, look forward to talking to you again uh, from, from Texas next week. All right, Joe. Thanks, man.